We know that forgiveness is a progression. You first recognize the sin or the wrong or the waywardness that you have, and, and you confess that to God. Recognize and confess. And we read just a few weeks ago that scripture passage where uh, we hear, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a beautiful statement this is of what is forgiveness. And those who have been forgiven and recognize that wonderful gift cannot help but pass that gift of forgiveness on to others. We pray in our Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're called to that kind of become the gospel of forgiveness. And we also know that we have a witness to the world about our God who is a forgiving God that is also part of becoming the gospel. You know, one thing I like to do, I think I may have shared this with you, but every week after Easter, I like to do like the disciples did of old, and I like to go fishing. And I've done that for many years, and I got to do it again this past week. I went to our little um, farm in East Texas. We have about a seven or eight acre lake there, and, and we fished. I took a friend of mine, Rusty George, who's on staff here. We did social distance. We were in two different kayaks. Uh, we wore our masks. We wore our gloves. Uh, but we enjoyed fishing, and they were biting. We had a good time. But at night, we would sit around a charcoal fire. And we would enjoy a meal together and we would share stories. And it put us even more in touch with the experience of the disciples. And in particular, one disciple, one fisherman named Simon Peter. Peter was one whom we know in that week that we call holy, that Thursday night. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus and James and John. And he was having a hard time staying awake, as we know. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, the scene has it where Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. And, and then the soldiers, uh, they seize Jesus. And, and the, uh, the scripture has it that, that Peter drew a sword and he slashed the ear of one of the soldiers. And Jesus called Peter off. And he restored the soldier's ear and he said this, Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? In other words, you can't keep me from this act that the Father has called me to, which is an act of ultimate forgiveness that will lead to a cross, which becomes the symbol of God's wonderful forgiveness. And, and we have this scene that we have set in the 18th chapter of John's Gospel where Peter is warming himself by a charcoal fire. This fisherman by a charcoal fire has this scene in the courtroom that's so very familiar to us. I want you to uh, remember it from Holy Scripture, but I want us to watch it from a modern day movie, Jesus of Nazareth, and put yourself in the place of Peter as he's by that charcoal fire. After they arrested him, I followed him to the courtyard of the high priest. 
The servant girl guarding one of the gates asked if I was one of his disciples. I'm not, I said. The servants and officials gathered there. They asked if I was one of his disciples. I'm not, I said. Then the servant who I had seen before said, Did I not see you in the garden with him earlier? And I cursed. I swore an oath that I was not one of his disciples. Just as I finished speaking, a rooster crowed, just as he said it would. And I looked up, and I saw him. He was looking right at me. He was looking right through me. I'll never be able to forget those eyes. We can see the agony on Peter's face as he lives into that word that Jesus told him. Before the rooster crows, before daybreak, you will deny me three times. Have you heard the rooster crow? I'm not talking about um, uh, any kind of rural connections. I've heard plenty of roosters crow in my day. But I'm talking about the rooster crow as Peter heard him crow. It could be brought on by a word or a phrase, a a song or a smell. Uh, But something that reminds you of a scene in your life. When when you had sinned or fallen short or, 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 or in a wayward way felt the weight of shame and guilt and not knowing exactly what to do about it. Needing so much uh, that forgiveness that seemed so elusive. Peter was there and, and, and he knew as soon as he heard the rooster crow what he had done. He knew his Lord. But I want us to take heart this morning and first recognize that Jesus knows we are going to fall short. Jesus knows that we're not going to live up to um, the the greatest expectations uh, at all times. We're going to fail. We're going to go wayward. We're going to sin. And all of us do. We remember the words of Paul where he says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So to Uh, stray from God's way is a natural part of our human condition and we all share that in common no one is unique and we need a savior who gives us that forgiveness Jesus gives us an example of righteousness and the love of God and the love of neighbor that is there for us too Now, just as we need a Savior who can do for us what we can't do for ourselves in forgiveness, we need a Lord, one we can follow, who who has taught us the perfect way to love God and to love our neighbor. We remember on that Thursday, right before that scene in in Gethsemane, how Jesus, um, he washed the disciples' feet and he said, Love others as I have loved you. And that call to love God, to love neighbor, is a call that we have on our lives. You know, at times we live as if we we don't know Jesus, or we live and deny Jesus, and deny God's ways. We're called to a higher standard. 
that we have in Mark's gospel, he went and wept bitterly. And, and this is the first thing that we recognize when, when, when we have sinned. We, we know that we're called to that place of repentance and remorse. And surely Peter's weeping bitterly was that sign that he was so sorry for what he had done, but he was so distraught that he didn't think he'd have a chance to tell Jesus uh, that he was sorry for his sin. But his confession of sin, the, the tears and the groans uh, for having denied Jesus was what it took for Peter to center his life on that which he knew was not the way of Christ. You know, one of the stories that um, I shared with Rusty around the charcoal fire the other day, my grandmother, my father's mother, Rachel, we called her Gran. And Gran was such a person of faith. If the doors of the church were open, Gran was there. I remember sitting uh, beside her on her piano bench there in her home, and uh, we would sing the hymns out of the Cokesbury hymnal, the ones that she taught me. She knew that I knew, and we would sing those hymns, those hymns, many of them, about forgiveness. But my grandmother, Gran, she loved birds, and she painted birds. And, and right above the piano was this beautiful painting of, of a pair of cardinals, a little brown and red uh, female cardinal and a brilliant red-colored uh, male cardinal. So I saw that painting more than any painting in her home. It was right above the piano. Well, when I was eight years old, I think it was at Christmas time, um, maybe my birthday actually, when I had uh, reached that rite of passage as many uh, boys did in East Texas back 50 years ago, and I received my first BB gun. I was so proud of that BB gun. I, I took it over to uh, Grand's to show her my new BB gun, and she, uh, she shared that joy with me. And then she shared a word of wisdom. She said, now Stan, you've got to be real careful with your BB gun. You don't ever point a BB gun toward another person. You always control your BB gun. And she said, whatever you do, don't ever shoot a bird. You know how I love birds. And she said, only shoot cans and bullseye targets and, and other things that will help you hone your shot. But don't shoot a bird. And then it happened. I, I was in my backyard one day after that lesson. And, and there I was in our backyard. We had a fence and, and, and there we had a barn behind that fence. And I was feeding some little calves on a bottle. And we had a feed trough there where we had their grain. And there were sparrows always eating the grain. There were sparrows everywhere. There were hundreds of sparrows. And that day a sparrow lit in a tree above me. And I had my BB gun. And I thought to myself, you know, the world is full of sparrows. And would anybody miss a sparrow? And so I took aim at the little sparrow. And I shot. And the little sparrow fell dead to the ground. And then when I went over to see uh, the bird, I noticed that he didn't look like a sparrow up close. He had little oranges and reddish tint to his brown and on the top of his head, he had a little cone that was forming for this little bird was young. 
It wasn't a he bird at all. It was a female cardinal. And, and all of a sudden, in the same tree over where that little bird was perched, there was a brilliant colored young red cardinal. And he lit in the tree and he began to sing the saddest song I, I'd ever heard. This no doubt was this cardinal's mate. So I hurried to get a shovel and, and, and I dug a hole and I buried that little bird. And, and, and I, I was hoping that I would bury the guilt and the, and, and the shame that I felt inside. But it, it didn't go away because the red cardinal was singing that sad song in the tree. And I remember for the next few days, it seemed like everywhere I went, uh, the cardinal followed me and sang that song just as a reminder of my sin. I remember I'd ride my bicycle to the baseball field all ready to play baseball with my friends. And there the cardinal would be in the top of the old oak tree singing that song. It haunted me for days until one day I found myself over at Grand's house again. I guess you could say I felt like Peter. I knew what it meant to, uh, to know that, that, that I'd heard the rooster crow. In the form of a cardinal sad song. Have you been there? I guess in a sense I wept bitterly. You know, you might think that it really wasn't a, a big deal for a little eight-year-old boy to, um, to shoot a little bird. But it was a big deal. Is a big deal. And it was uh, my first experience with what I would call sin and the, the guilt that I felt following that sin. Have you ever done something that you really wished you hadn't done? Of course you have. You know, I'm not talking about some, some little thing. I'm talking about something that was so big that it caused all kinds of negative emotions in you. Have you ever needed a second chance? Have you ever needed a sense of redemption re related to a circumstance that you knew you could not fix on your own? Do you want to go there in your mind uh, to that event of the past or to maybe something that's very present with you now? Of course you don't. N none of us want to go back to that place where we sensed such negative emotions about something that we had done that we could not correct. Well, let me share some good news with you. Uh, let me share the gospel you can't deny that Jesus loved us enough to, to ride into Jerusalem on the back of that little donkey on that Sunday when the palms were raised, waving that, that began our Holy Week. You, you can't deny the fact that, that he was uh, betrayed on that Thursday night after he'd washed the disciples' feet and given them that commandment of love. You, you can't deny that even through the, the denial of Peter, Jesus went and he faced the cross. And the cross has become that ultimate symbol of God's forgiveness. And the price God would pay so that we could know the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
you can't deny that God loved us enough that he rose from the grave on that Easter Sunday morning and he appeared to those who followed him and he became the symbol of life. Not just an eternal life that we look forward to, uh, what a beautiful promise that is, but he became life right in the midst of our stuff. He became that new life and that that symbol of rebirth uh, that, that we long for and need so very much. Not only Peter who denied him, but Thomas who doubted him. And, and all of us since who follow him, we need the risen Lord to bring us forgiveness. And you can't deny that God loved us enough to offer forgiveness and salvation that is never failing. What good news that is for us. In fact, I remember going to Grand's house and I remember um, it, it was for her just another time for her grandson to be over playing with the Lincoln Logs or other toys that she had in her house or sitting on the piano bench and, and, and singing hymns with my grandmother. But she took one look at me and she knew something was wrong in my heart. And she said, son, what's wrong with you? And at that I began to cry, to to weep bitterly, and to share my sin of shooting the little bird, just as she'd asked me not to do. I remember how I was crying so uncontrollably, and, and how I can feel her arms coming around me right now, and how she began to whisper in my ear that it was okay. And when I shared about the red cardinal singing the sad song, she said, Stan, All cardinals sing that song in the spring. It's the way they sing. It's not that one cardinal's following you. And God wants more than anything else for you to know forgiveness. And then my grandmother, while holding her crying grandson, prayed for me. God, forgive Stan. Let him know how much he's loved. Let him know that I love him so very much and you love him more. And I can remember at the end of that prayer how good I felt. What I couldn't bury and get rid of. My grandmother, through her prayer to a loving, forgiving God, had helped me receive forgiveness. Let me remind you that Peter also received forgiveness. We remember that scene where Jesus appeared to them in the room, how Peter had run to the tomb with John and how they eventually experienced the risen Lord in the room, but but then he was gone. And I would imagine the disciples were wondering, could this have really been so? Could Jesus truly be risen from the grave? We saw him down the cross. We placed him in the tomb. Could, could this really be? Uh, could this be a mental mirage of sorts that we've just imagined? In, in the midst of all of that, Simon Peter did what brought him uh, peace. And he said, I'm going fishing. And so there he went with some of the other disciples back to their homeland, back to Galilee, back to their familiar boats and nets. And they fished 
all night. And they caught nothing. And then as uh, the rosy dawn was breaking, as they were, could only peek through the fog at the hill, uh, they heard coming from the, the beach a voice of one whose voice was cutting through the mist. And Jesus, he, he said to uh, the fishermen, Children, have you caught any fish? The disciples, not recognizing his voice at first, or, or, or who might be calling them at, at, at sunup, they replied, probably grumbling, No, nothing all night. And, and then Jesus said, Cast your nets on the other side, and there you'll find fish. Well, the disciples knew well enough that anybody on the shore could see the ripples in the water better than they could as they were actually on the water. And so grumbling, I would imagine, they did as the stranger had said, and they cast their net on the other side. And the net was so full of fish, they could hardly bring it in. And one of the disciples said, I think it's the Lord. And at that, Peter plunges into the water and he starts swimming toward the bank as fast as he possibly could. He, he starts making his way toward what he hoped would be forgiveness. And there on the bank was the risen Lord. And he had built a charcoal fire. And, and Peter could smell that charcoal fire and the fish that were lying on it and the bread and then when the other disciples make their way there that they have breakfast together with with the risen lord and then jesus calls peter aside and and there when he calls him aside he has a special word that he wants to share with peter and from the 21st chapter of John's Gospel, beginning with the 15th verse, we read these words. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, uh, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And, and Jesus said to Peter, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter he felt hurt because the Lord had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. 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 You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go do whatever you wished. But when you grow old, 
you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this he said to him, follow me. Peter had been following Jesus for three years. He demonstrated his love for Jesus and Jesus' love for him. He experienced. And yet Jesus, the risen Lord, who knew that he had denied him three times, asked Peter three times, do you love me? And three times, Peter affirms his faith. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, you know everything. You know I denied you. And you still love me. And ask me to feed your lambs, to tend your sheep, to follow you. Friends, those of us who've experienced the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... Those of us who know what it means to forgive another, we are called to become the gospel and to offer that forgiveness to others. We're called to feed the sheep by offering that forgiveness to others and to proclaim the God of ultimate forgiveness. We become the gospel. When we become the forgiveness that Jesus called us to, love as I have loved you. Friends, I want to close our service today, our sermon at least, with this prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, you know every heart of everyone who has come on this live stream today or who will watch this in coming days. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know us. You know everything. You you know our sin before we ever confess. And yet our heart becomes right when we can name what has us down. When we can name our wrongdoings. When we can name the source of our shame and guilt. And turn it over to you. For, For you are the one who forgives us. Lord, you call us to be the one who wraps a a hug around another and whispers the word of forgiveness. You're the one who calls us to uh, set breakfast, breakfast for another who needs to hear the word of forgiveness. You are the one, oh Lord, who calls us to become your gospel. Lord, let us first receive so that we will know how to give. We pray this prayer and those who've prayed it, let them receive your forgiveness anew. And we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.